Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Hour two, it is Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Anita Marks with you. Uh, we've got a fun hour coming your way. Uh, Jeff Passan, uh, we'll hear from him in just a second. Keith Stewart, uh, PGA Tour professional who's actually down in Orlando for uh, the Arnie Invitational at Bay Hill. Eyes and ears on the ground uh, going to uh, join us as well to give us uh, a preview on uh, some of the golfers that we need to pay attention to moving forward in the next three rounds. And also Courtney Cronin, who does a phenomenal job at ESPN uh, covering the Chicago Bears, is going to join us as well uh, from uh, from Indianapolis to talk about the Bears and the fact that they have the number one overall pick. So a uh, real, real good hour we have coming your way. Um, but I just want to set up really quickly for folks who might not be in the know there are a plethora of rule changes that are taking place in Major League Baseball. Um, probably none more significant than a pitch count uh, where there'll be a clock. And in between pitches, it'll be just 30 seconds. And for a pitcher, he's going to have to be on the rubber ready to pitch within 20 seconds of that clock ticking down. Uh, when there are runners on base um, or vice versa, right? He's going to have to be on the rubber 15 seconds before that clock counts down. Uh, if there are runners on base, he has to be on that rubber 20 seconds before that clock ticks down. But more importantly, and where I think this is going to be even more of an issue, is that batters are going to have to be in the batter box eight seconds before that 30-second clock ticks down. And if a... Pitcher is fined, it's a strike. I'm sorry, if a pitcher is, is fined, it's a ball. If a batter is fined, it's a strike. So that's just that's just one of many. On top of that, I actually saw saw a base, Tyler. So so they they changed the base size. So the bases now go from being 15 inches to 18 inches. And they remove the, the the kind of like the bump in the middle. They feel that it'll 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 reduce injuries. Right. But th- it's like a, it's a pizza I, box. Alex Cora referred exactly. to it as a pizza box. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's a pizza box. I've seen it. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's a, I think it's three inches uh, close. I, they were doing. They were showing it like yes. Yeah, it goes from base, fifteen. To, it, it goes to fifteen to eighteen. Right, so right. what's happened now? You've taken now you've taken six inches. And you've given that to the base runner. The runner, yep. Uh, and then within the in, within the inning, a pitcher can can only try to. Um, uh, um, I'm trying to think the the word that they that they're using for have, it. They can only violate the clock. 
Is that what you're trying no, to say? No, no, it's but but try to trying to throw throw a runner off. out on first. The pickoff. Oh, the yeah, pick but it's move. called yeah. but it's called it's called something. Uh, anyway, uh, let be, before because I, I, this is a really interesting conversation for us to have. So before we do that, let's listen in again. Jeff Passan has his finger on the pulse of Major League Baseball better than most. Again, was so kind to join me on my Bet Digital show on Monday to talk about all these rule changes and how they could potentially affect gambling. Let's listen in. The big news this season is the rule changes, pitch clock, pickoffs, shifts, bases. I mean, this is for, for, for the baseball historians, I have a feeling they're just going to absolutely hate these rule changes. I actually love them. Let's bring in Jeff Passan uh, to break these down. So Jeff, let's start first and foremost with, with the pitch clock, right? Um, I, I, I believe that the batters are going to have an even harder issue with this pitch clock. Granted, it's they have to be in the batter's box with, in, in the last eight seconds, right? And we saw in that Atlanta Braves-Red Sox game, the, that was, what, what a debacle that was, right? So I'm just curious, you know, what's the feedback that you're getting from pitchers and batters in regard to this rule change, and who do you think it's going to affect most? I mean, they may not necessarily like it, Anita, but they understand they have to get used to it. Like, this is the new reality in Major League Baseball. And while I get that batters needing to be set with eight seconds to go seems like it could be burdensome, all they got to do is stay in the box, right? Like, it's not that difficult. You just have to be ready to hit like you were in Little League when you couldn't step out and mess with your batting gloves. I, I think the, the people who it's going to affect the most is the pitchers, especially as time goes on during spring training. We're going to get a much better sense of how difficult it is for starting pitchers in particular to maintain their composure and really maintain their stuff as the game goes on. It's a lot more taxing throwing a pitch every 15 seconds than it is throwing it every 22 or 23 or in some cases 30 like some pitchers did. So uh, I hope they're conditioned well because if not, they're going to be running into uh, into a brick wall a lot earlier, I think, than people realize. So very interesting. This plays right into our second question for you, and that is, so because of the speed of the game now, and thinking that the pitchers are going to have a difficult time early on before they kind of get used to this, like having to be set within the first 15 seconds. Do you feel that we're going to see a lot of overs because it's going to benefit a lot of the batters? Small sample size alert. It is two full days of games that we're dealing with here, and it's also spring training, but they're averaging 12 runs a game in those first two days this year as opposed to 10.6 runs per game last year during the entirety of spring training. So I'll be curious to see how those runs per game total shake out. I think it's worth noting, scoring actually went up in the minor leagues last year when they had these rules in place throughout. So uh, the idea that we're going to have more offense, I think, is very realistic. It's just a question of how much more offense, because... We also have to recognize the batting average last year. It was the lowest it's been since 1968. And generally speaking, uh, I understand that we don't categorize batting average uh, at the same level that we used to necessarily. But if I'm putting together a team, I want my guys to get hits. I want them to get on base. I want them to score runs. But the easiest way to do that is through hits. And I think we're going to see a lot more of them this season. 
All right, so let's talk about the new pickoff rules that are implemented, right, in regard to how a pitcher would be penalized with a balk. Are they only allowed two um, tries, I guess, if that's the right verbiage, uh, to try to pick off a runner who's on first, right, or second, whatever base they're on? Putting more runners, I, I guess the, the, the idea is, is Major League Baseball wants to put more runners in scoring position. So how do you feel this is going to play out? It's going to be interesting. The, the actual term, if you want to use it, is disengagements. And that's when you disengage from the rubber either to step off or to pick off at first, second, or third base. And, you know, the hope with limiting disengagements is, frankly, partially the same hope of making the bases 18 square inches instead of 15, thereby cutting down four and a half inches between the base paths. It's the idea that they want to encourage stolen bases because the stolen base is something that fans enjoy. It's action. It's guys out there trying to do really athletic things, which they're capable of doing even more now than they have been in the past. Baseball gets a reputation, I think, as a slow and plodding game. And frankly, that's really well earned, but it hides the fact that the athletes in the game these days are better than they've ever been. Now, I'm not suggesting we're going to get back to, you know, 130 stolen bases in a year like Ricky Henderson or Vince Coleman going over 100, but I do think that stolen base rates are going to rise pretty significantly in the big leagues this year, as long as it follows the minor leagues where they were up almost half a game. Um, another rule is they're eliminating the shift. And as you alluded to, right, batting average was the lowest this past season since 1968. So again, they, 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 want, they want more singles, they want better batting averages. So who are some of the, give me like two or three guys, Jeff, that you feel that this rule change is gonna benefit this season. I'm sure you're gonna be shocked, Anita, that I'm throwing out left-handed hitters, but Corey Seager is a guy whose batting average uh, and weighted on base average against the shift is significantly lower historically than uh, when the shift is not employed. A guy like Shohei Otani, I mean, he puts up MVP-type numbers every year. They could get even better. Kyle Tucker with the Houston Astros. And I know I'm naming elite hitters here, but I suppose that's the point. Left-handed hitters who have been shifted have had quite a number of hits taken away from them. And frankly, some careers have been either shortened or altogether ruined because they just were not able to adjust. Well, guess what? They're not going to have to anymore. And I'm not going to sit here and suggest that Joey Gallo is going to, you know, turn into Shohei Otani overnight. But I think even a guy like Joey Gallo has a much better chance to have an effective season without the shift in place. Last but not least, you kind of alluded to it in regard to steals, right? So the bases now are three inches larger. I actually saw one the other day. It doesn't have that hump at the top, and that's for safety precautions, but it goes from 15 inches to 18 inches. They look like pizza boxes, Jeff. So therefore, you're shortening, obviously, your distance from guys who are trying to steal. So obviously, it benefits base runners. So, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on how that's going to play out this season? The last time somebody stole even 50 bases in either was back in 2017. The last time somebody stole more than 75 bases was Jose Reyes in 2007. So we're talking a decade and a half of just this slow downward trend when it comes to stolen bases. And as somebody who plays a lot of fantasy baseball, 
and who despises stolen bases because so often the guys who have them are single category players and I just don't want them at all. I'm glad that we're going to be able to get some more well-rounded players this year. And I do think stolen base numbers are going to go up pretty significantly. Are they going to be up to where they were in the 1980s? No, not yet. But if we see an effectiveness of stolen bases at a high success rate, I think going forward, teams are going to be a lot more open-minded, not just about bringing in steal-only guys to bring off the bench late in games, but in developing that part of the game in younger players when they're in the minor leagues, so when they get to the big leagues, it, you know, stealing bases is just old hat. Jeff, great stuff. Uh, this is really going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out this season. Thank you so much for spending some time with us on Bet. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Anita. Appreciate it. Jeff Passan, uh, again, he's just, he's, he's special, I think. Uh, I think he's uh, absolutely fantastic and, uh, and really, really awesome for him to jump on board with me earlier this week to, of course, talk about uh, the rule changes. Um, a lot to digest there. It's evident if there's one thing walking away from that interview, and that is Major League Baseball wants batting averages to improve, Okay, and they want more runs scored. So let's have this discussion when we get back. All right. Uh, we're talking about the rule changes on Major League Baseball. Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN, made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. It is uh, Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. We just heard from Jeff Passan, our producers Tyler and Brian chiming in, guys. Uh, like I told Jeff, like, and, and, you know, I'm not a baseball historian, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm really intrigued. Not, that, not that I find baseball boring. I don't find baseball boring. Okay. But I do believe it's too long. Agreed. So prior, prior to these rules being so, so a few things, I, I know I'm all over the place here. Let me gather my thoughts. Number one. It's evident that Major League Baseball wants to improve batting averages. Again, in the discussion with Jeff Passan, uh, batting averages, especially in regard to singles, was the lowest it's been since 1968. So uh, they want to make you know this more friendlier, right, for um, for the batters. Um, number two, 
they want to, you know, uh, decrease the time for games. So with that being said, right now, based on their, the small sample size, but based on, you know, minor league games that they've used, you know, these new rules in, you're talking about games going from three minutes. So games last year averaged anywhere between three, three minutes and six, six, I'm sorry, three hours and six minutes, three hours and four minutes to now going down to two hours and 35 minutes or two hours and 36 minutes. That's, that's, that's pretty significant. Huge. D- agree. I, I mean, agree or disagree. I, I think that's, I, I, you're, you're shaving off 30 minutes based on these rule changes. Huge. It's a, it's an enormous change to the game for the better. I do think that there are aspects to the new rules that could ultimately end up hindering the game a little bit, but it's only really going to impact the players. Uh, I'm sorry, it's only going to really impact the people who have been following the sport for a really long time and are passionate about it and really take a lot of uh, you know, joy in watching a pitcher's duel or watching a game that goes 18 innings. I mean, those days are essentially over. So I, I think that the only people that are really going to dislike these rule changes and dislike the pace of play are the people that are kind of stuck in their ways as far as the traditional game of baseball goes. Yeah, like the historians and exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and, and I and I think another big reason why Major League Baseball is 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 wanting to do this is to attract, you know, the the, the they're they're not getting the millennial, they're not getting the Generation X because, you know, everything is so fast and, paced. And you guys, yeah. right? Yep. So do you do you feel do you feel that this will help at all? I, I don't. I have a res. I have reservations about that. I, I don't. Sure. I, I think. I think where Major League Baseball is suffering is that you know they're they're not allowing they're not allowing these players to to be them, right? Like, oh, you flip a bat, you're like, oh, that's not what you do in Major League Baseball. Like, I, I just. I, I feel like ma- I feel like Major League Baseball doesn't let baseball players be and I'm going to say the word cool, like be cool in some sense or step out of the um, traditional box, no pun intended, right. um, to, to to establish some type of uh, personality, some type of, br- they don't, I don't think they allow base- baseball players to really create their own brand. Yeah. And so I, 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 so they're, they're not, they're not, getting that that younger audience that's like yeah man that guy rocks like like i love that dude right there's very few few and far between baseball players that i just feel like oh yeah like yeah i I like i like rooting for that guy i really like that guy like there's a disconnect there agree or disagree yeah 100 percent agree And and it's very night and day right you have the you have the fan base of the traditional game of baseball, play the full nine no matter how long it takes. If you hit a home run, you know, don't pimp it. Just, you know, put your head down, drop your bat. Mookie Betts is a perfect example of a player that does this. Put your head down, drop your bat, and just jog around the bases. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got people like Fernando Tatis Jr., 
who's very flashy. He's very showy. Ronald Acuna Jr. is kind of like this, too, where they hit the ball. They know it's gone. They do some sort of bat flip. They stand there. They admire their home run. And then they do the jog around the bases. And we've seen this happen over the last few years where players are very agitated, mostly pitchers, sometimes players on the infield, are very agitated by players that do this. And I think that it's a really good thing for the game of baseball to have flashy and showy players that really yes. let their emotions show. You know how hard it is to hit a 100-mile-per-hour fastball over the fence? It is super hard. If you do something like that and you go above and beyond and you, you, know, you pimp a 450-foot bomb over the wall... Yeah, you should be able to stand there and admire it before you take your lap around the bases because it's entertaining. And I think that's really the avenue that MLB is going, the entertainment factor. How do we get people to to come and watch these players play and be excited about what is typically a four-hour experience? You know, we're condensing it. We're making it more exciting. We're forcing pitchers to to get on the mound and th- and and an example of this is Max Scherzer that we've seen in the in the preseason. Max Scherzer struck out I think he struck out the side in like less than a minute. We just had Wendy Peralta uh, of the Yankees strike out a guy in 20 seconds. It's just it's a it's such a night and day difference and unfortunately this is the direction that the game is going. So at this point it's either get on board or stop watching. It's it's going to be interesting uh, because uh, again I I, tr- I truly believe so so this is a gambling show so I thought it was important to to play that interview with Jeff because um, you know I'm I'm definitely going to be playing a lot of overs when the season begins because I I do believe I do believe that that both pitchers and batters are going to have a difficult time with this with this clock right. Like uh, I, I want to, like Brian was saying, like he's played sports before I've played sports before Tyler, you've played sports before. Like, you know, if you are an, if you are an athlete, you've done anything and it doesn't have to be professional or collegiate, but if you've done anything, you know, as an athlete, like you have a routine and, 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 and that routine requires, you know, it's, there's a certain time, um, that's facilitated to your routine. And so I think, I think there are going to be a number of, of pitchers and there's going to be a number of batters that are going to be really thrown off by this. And so, and it's, I just, I think this is going to be really, 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 really fascinating. Um, also, you know, the fact that, um, you know, the, um, it's, it's that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the pickoff rule it's the larger bases, so I think there's going to be more stolen bases in games. And by the way, you can wager over under in regard to you know over under so many stolen bases in a game. I'm 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 going to be putting money down on the over, considering now you're you're you know shortening the distance for the base runner by six inches, three on on each side. Um, I'm trying to think what else the shift. So, you know, I, I asked Jeff, you know, there are certain players out there that come to mind for him in regard to, um, you know, how is the shift going to hurt or help certain players? So I think, I, think there, I think there are a number of ways that the rules that are going to be implemented this year, you will be able to wager and make a profit off of. But I, I just, I find it, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, right? So... 
Um, I, I think I think it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, quick break. We come back. We're going to switch gears. We're going to go from the diamond to the links. That's right. The big tournament happening down in Orlando, Florida, is the Arnold Invitational happening at Bay Hill. Some of the biggest names at the top of the leaderboard, and there are some really interesting weather conditions that are going to affect tomorrow's rounds that you need to hear about. Uh, Keith Stewart, who uh, is a uh, former P- well, PGA Tour professional, uh, he's down there right now, and he will join us on the show next to give us a really great preview of what's to come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, on the PGA Tour. So let's stay tuned for that next here on, 90, on, on, on 710 ESPN LA. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to ESPN. Uh, we're going to talk some golf now. Is We've got a great tournament happening at Bay Hill down there in Orlando, Florida. Keith Stewart's joining us, PGA professional, creator of Read the Line, also hosts his own weekly radio show on ESPN 720 AM in New Jersey, The Pro Shop with Keith Stewart, uh, along with a number of other things he does. And he is front and sitter. He's got a bird's eye view. He's right there at the tournament joining us. So, Keith, great to have you on First things first, uh, I picked Rory to win this bad boy, and he's just hovering around the cut line. Um, I got him at 9-1. to one. Uh, What went wrong with Rory today? You know what? Rory was not taking advantage of some great scoring chances. I followed him for four or five holes earlier this afternoon. Uh, he had 29 yards to the pin on number 10 today. He cut the corner, hit it over the houses. Phenomenal tee shot. Hit it up to six feet, pitched it up there beautifully, missed the putt. Did the same thing on 11. He drove it past the water, Anita. And he had about 80 yards to the pin. Didn't make birdie there. He just, he's been stuck in neutral all day. So we'll see what happens. I I, want to get into the weather conditions for tomorrow in just a second. But let's talk about some of the metrics that that I, I felt were really important coming in. Strokes gained on approach, greens and regulation, uh, putting on this Bermuda grass, that it, it's somewhat of a hybrid that I was reading. Um, and also, even though this isn't a links course, typically uh, golfers who play well on links courses do well here on this Arnold Palmer course. And also a lot of Europeans do well here. Will you ex- explain 
uh, why and what were some of the metrics that you were looking at coming in while you were handicapping uh, this bad boy tournament? Well, the, the top course thing with the link style of golf has everything to do with the firmness of the greens. Arnold Palmer always wanted a U.S. Open, but he was never going to get one uh, in Orlando in June, so he created his own in March. And the firmness of these greens are impossible to stop the ball on. And at 7,400-plus yards, the golf course plays you don't long. They actually have to hit long irons in. So the guys have to hit the front edges of greens. They have to bump it up in front when there's access. You look at that pin on 18 tonight, and it's, it's out there on the front left edge of the green, and you have to bounce it up there. You can't hit the green and expect it's going to check. It won't stop. So that's why that golf course history is there, and that's why some of the European players who play on the ground better than the target golf that a lot of the American players play over here. Other metrics that I loved this week, I definitely like short game around the green. Players hit less than the PGA Tour average of greens and regulation, and I know we're going to get into the weather for tomorrow. Tomorrow they're going to need a short game because the wind is going to blow. Yeah, so this was the big storyline. Uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what, what the leaderboard looks like right now, John Rahm, no surprise there, seven under, uh, three-shot lead right now, and golf data has him as a 33.6% chance of winning. And considering the weather conditions tomorrow and he is teeing off in the morning, um, <laughs> pretty good shot that he wins this tournament as well. But we'll get into that in just a second. So um, so for folks that are listening right now might not be aware of this, but if you tee off on Thursday morning, you will then tee off on Friday afternoon. If you tee off on Thursday afternoon, you will then tee off on Friday morning. And with the weather conditions and the winds expected to gust at 40 miles per hour on Friday afternoon, um, those golfers who teed off in the Thursday afternoon and will tee off on the Friday morning tee times, uh, those golfers obviously are going to have an advantage because they will be avoiding the worst part of the weather in the wind conditions they're expected at Bay Hill. So, um, so a lot of these guys that are at the top of the leaderboard right now are, are guys that um, more than likely are going to have to tee off in the afternoon, which is really going to make, the, I think, the leaderboard really interesting tomorrow. But one guy who's at the top of the leaderboard right now, John Rahm, he's seven under through the day. He tees off. Tomorrow after t- tomorrow morning, so he's going to avoid the bad weather. And we know t- John Rom to me is is just having a, a, a season for the ages. What did you see from Rom today? And considering that he's on the better side of the tee times tomorrow, uh, do you, are, are, do you feel he's going to win this bad boy? Well, I tell you, Anita, John Rom has been known historically in his career for being probably the best driver of the golf ball on the PGA Tour, and right now. Strokes gained has him as ranked 94th in this field. Every other major strokes gained category is in the top 20. And he's absolutely slaying this golf course. He finished four under for his last three holes. Everybody thought he was stuck in neutral in the middle of his round. He makes bogey on, uh, on, on eight, and then he comes back, and then he shoots 31 on the back nine and just tears it up. Uh, he continues that trend. If he starts to hit some fairways tomorrow, this thing is truly over because he's going to play in the morning. He's going to be done by noon. By noon, the wind looks like it's only going to be in the high teens. And then when you start to get into one, two, three, four o'clock, it's going to be blowing 20, wind gusts over 30, 35, and it's coming out of the south, which means if I was playing in the afternoon, 
I would look for golfers in media that are teeing off the back nine first because that means when the wind is really blowing, they're going to play the hard holes like 17, 18. They're going to be uh, the par 5, 12. They're, going to, they're all going to be downwind. You can take advantage there when it's going to be really challenging, and then maybe it lays down a little bit because the finish that you'll have, 6, 8, 9, will play into the wind. And I know 6 is a par 5, but, you know, there's water on the left there. It's a very challenging approach shot. 8 and 9, two tough par 4s. So uh, definitely the AM wave tomorrow, the guys that are out there this afternoon, like your Rory. Um, you know, Ricky's out there this afternoon. He's playing good. Anita, you know, you got to mention Ricky every time I'm with you. So it's um, <laughs> that's what I would look for tomorrow afternoon for sure. Interesting. So, so really, Keith, what you're saying is um, dudes who tee off in the afternoon – on the on the first tee box, those are guys that you want to avoid or maybe fade and play against, possibly in some matchups. Definitely, definitely. And uh, if you you're not going to get any matchups at this point because it wasn't pre tourney or pre tee times, you, the books aren't just going to give you any that are going to be AM versus PM tomorrow because it 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 could quite be a massacre tomorrow afternoon. All right, so so looking again, looking at the leaderboard, you know, you've got some obviously some big names up there, right? Rom, Scotty, Cantley, Shoffley. Good to see Cam Young up there as well. Homa, Chris Kirk has had you know a, a solid uh, season so far. Tony Fina, I love Tony Fina, uh, but as you said, Ricky Fowler, my guy's up there. It's really been unbelievable the turnaround we've seen from Ricky Fowler this season and how much do you how much is it like you know I hear he's been working with Butch Harmon how much how much is it you know just what do you feel has been the biggest difference him kind of finding his game again well he's found the putter you know he's he's rolling the rock good again and that was a big part of what led to his confidence he didn't feel like he needed to put a lot of pressure on his ball striking um, when he was, you know, coming in top ten in every major uh, back three, four, five years ago, and then all of a sudden the putter in the short game went away, and that put a lot of pressure on his ball striking. He also went through a swing change that didn't work out. He he went through to a couple different coaches. So what I see now is that Butch has given him the confidence to be comfortable with his old swing, and that's brought back confidence with the flat stick, and he's rolling it really nicely. I watched him hit a couple of putts before he went out today, and then he signed a couple autographs, Ricky being Ricky, and uh, he looked really solid. He had a big smile on his face, and uh, uh, guy's pure in it. And uh, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's not worried about how he's going to roll it either. So, uh, so again, uh, Data Golf, and it's an, it's an excellent site, um, has Rom with a 33% chance of winning this. Scotty Scheffler with 11, 11% Cantlay at, uh, coming in around 9. Shoffley at 6. Cam Young at 5. Homa around 4. With that being said, uh, you're going to go back to the hotel tonight. Let's say you get online and you want to throw some coin on a guy that you think is, is going to tear this up again. As we said, Rom, top leaderboard, is definitely on the right side of the tee times tomorrow. You could get him to win this at plus 140. Do you still think those are some, some good odds? You can, would, would you lay some money down on Rom? Ooh, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't really get my juices flowing at all. Right, I, right. I, all right, I, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some others for you. Scotty Scheffler, 7-1. Can't lay 11-1. Uh, Shoffley twelve to one, Cam Young sixteen to one, my guy Ricky Fowler twenty two to one, Tony Female twenty two twenty two to one, Spieth is out there at thirty to one, Rory's forty to one right now. He just um he he 
He's he's making a run. He's back down to even. I, I mean, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. So who who are you, who are you looking to put some coin on? Or or maybe or or Keith, maybe you're looking at some guys to finish in the top five, top ten, top twenty. Well, the guy you barely mentioned there at the end, right before Rory, is the guy that I had my eye on because I watched him this morning, and that's Jordan Spieth. He is right now first in the field for uh, strokes gained tee to green. So he hit it better than anybody all day. He even hit it better than Rom. Now, the putter wasn't great, and people love to criticize Jordan's putter, but he just always seems to make putts. So statistically, he's weak on short putts, but when it counts, for some reason, he seems to make them. So if there's a guy that I feel like that definitely, there's no doubt in my mind the way I saw him hit it today and the numbers that I'm looking at, I would definitely hit him top 10. He's probably in the plus 180, plus 190. Maybe even some books will have him at plus 200 to go top 10. Uh, I, I think that, that 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 to me is better money spent and a lot more fun to watch than John Rahm at plus 140 when he boat races the field. And you know what? If John Rahm slips a little bit and the drivers keep they keep being faulty, then, then Jordan's the type of guy that can go after him and get hot and shoot a low number on a golf course like this because he has that level of skill, and they're going to need it for the next few days when the wind and the weather starts to take control of this tournament. So just FYI, 12.39 tee time on the first tee box. So he's going to be one of those golfers that you said are going to have a challenging time late afternoon on 6.8.9. Well, you know what? It's Jordan Speed. (laughs) There you go. I'm aware of all those factors. You know, (laughs) uh, but, you know, hey, touche. Good call, Anita. Um, At the end of the day, I, I really like him for a placement because mm-hmm. we're going to get a couple more rounds of Jordan, for sure. And I think that uh, over time, the cream rises to the top, and he's hitting the ball really, really nicely right now. You know, back at the WMPO, I know he struggled, but he broke his driver at the Sony. Okay, people don't know this. Jordan broke his driver at the Sony. He hasn't found a new gamer yet. And that's why he had a terrible genesis, because he was going through finding the right driver again. He thinks he has his gamer. He's playing good right now. He had over eight strokes gained in approach at the WNPO. I mean, Jordan's a guy that can go deep right now. Certainly, Scotty's up there, too. But, you know, if we're going to spend some money, let's win some money. And I'm going to go with Speed. Speed, 30-1 to one to win, plus 450 to finish in the top five, plus 190 to finish in the top 10. Keith, you rock. Always great having you on. Enjoy your weekend at Bay Hill. Uh, we're really blessed uh, to have you join the show with your, your eyes and ears really on the ground. So thank you so much. Anita, big one next week. Players, we'll be there. I look forward to talking to you. Love it. Love it. Keith Stewart, again, joining us, uh, PGA Tour professional, uh, creator of Read the Line, as well as his own golf show on ESPN in New Jersey. Anita Marks with you, ESPN. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. 
That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN, made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Uh, we just heard from Keith again, ears and eyes down on the ground at Bay Hill in Orlando. How great is that? Aren't we lucky? And um, I, I just, again, we've got Tyler and Brian who are producing the show. Gentlemen, I think we need to have a discussion in regard to John Rahm and the season that he's having right now. Okay. So he has played in six events. He has won, this is this season. Okay, he's got 10 career wins. Uh, he's, uh, he turned pro back in 2016. Uh, he's from Spain. He went to Arizona State University. Um, he has 10 career wins on the PGA Tour. But this season alone, he has played in six events, and he has won three of the six. He has come in in the top 10 in all six. Okay, pretty so good. there's that. Yeah. Would you say that he's pretty well, good? Well, I just I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. Um, he is first in strokes gained total on tour. He is first in greens and regulation. He is first in eagles, um, eagle holes per. Uh, he's first in birdie average. Um, he is seventh in strokes gained off the tee. He is sixth in strokes gained on approach. He's ninth in strokes game putting. He's 14th in total driving. He's sixth in total distance. Um, he's, <laughs> I, I mean, he's 25th in, in proximity. Uh, the, the only place that he, he, that he really struggles, he's 94th in driving accuracy. That's it. These numbers are ridiculous. Like these numbers are tigerish, tiger tigeresque, tigerish. Yeah, tigeresque. Ti- like tigeresque. Yeah. Right. Like, is that is that the right phrase uh, or word? Um, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> He's playing out of his mind. He's playing. He is. He's playing absolutely out of his mind. Do you know how difficult this is to be this good consistently on the PG tour? It's Next to impossible. Um, now, he's not the most liked guy on tour. Yeah, somebody was telling me that he's... Uh, yeah. I think the word not, they used was, was uh, unfriendly, I believe. Was <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a family show. So, you know, we, we want to be careful here how we, how we tread. But... Um, but listen, you know, th- there were many years where, like, you know, a lot of people felt the same way about Tiger, right? Like, th- like let- let's be honest, like, th- there was not a lot of love for Tiger until after his wife took a seven iron to his face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? What? I'm, <laughs> am I lying? 
You didn't have to I'm get specific lying. with the iron, but yes, I think uh, I think he became a lot more likable after the domestic. Why abuse. did you hear it was an eight or nine iron? What did you? I thought it was a seven iron. I wasn't sure how long the distance was she was trying to hit for. Oh. So. Seven's a pretty good but, assumption. But but I, but let's be honest. Like like there there you know there were a number of people out there I know who were like oh, I can't stand Tiger Woods. You know he doesn't identify or. He's so arrogant or there was just, you know, there, there was Matt, there was, you know, you can't deny greatness, but there was, there was not a lot of love for Tiger Woods. And then, but we as a society, besides the sports aspect of it, we as a society, we love when, you know, the human element, you know, here's a guy who was like, you know, the best that that ever played at that point in time we thought that he was on his way to winning more majors than jack um huge fall from grace shows that he's only human in his and i'm i'm quoting him right addiction to sex and having to go to therapy for it um and and then the battle with uh, painkillers, amongst other things, and and then the car accident. Yeah. I, I mean, I, what? Dude's been through a lot, and and through and through all of that is when really. He, he, don't get me wrong. Yes, Tiger has always had a fan base, but th there was always a percentage who was, who just couldn't stand him. Now, I don't, I don't know. I don't know one person. I've, ne I never hear anyone say, oh, I can't stand Tiger. I don't hear that anymore. Why? Because the human element of, um, of failure and, uh, you know, fall from grace, yet pick myself up, brush myself off, persevere. Yeah, we've kind of seen him pull back the curtain a little bit. I mean, he's obviously out there balling with his son now, too. And so there, you got the father-son aspect, and that automatically makes him a more likable person. So, yeah, I think, I think from a publicity perspective, Tiger's done himself a lot of favors. Uh, and... and Again, I don't. I don't know if it's so much done himself. Like I, I just, I think his fall from grace and everything that he's had to go through, um, I, I think has changed the narrative for him in a huge way. So, but with that being said, uh, just to recap, because I know we're heading into uh, hour three, and we're we're going to talk some XFL and get you some XFL plays heading into Saturday and Sunday. But um, in talking to Keith. John Rahm has a 32.7% chance of uh, probability, I should say, from data golf to, to winning this event. And, and, and just to, to recap in regard to what Keith was, was communicating and what's going to be really important tomorrow, weather conditions are going to be absolutely horrific for the afternoon tea times. So not only is John Rahm, uh, not only does he have a three shot lead on the leaderboard, but he's, he's got a morning tea time tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, he's kicking butt and taking names. And Oh, by the way, 
uh, has the benefit of having that morning tea time tomorrow. So therefore, there's that. Um, plus 150 for John Rom to win this this whole thing. And I'll be honest with you, I'm throwing some money on that. I just shared with you what an unbelievable season he's having right now. So considering how great he's been playing, first in strokes gained tee to green, third in strokes gained on approach, 32.7% probability of winning from data golf uh, and, and a three shot lead. And he has the morning tea time tomorrow. Yeah. Plus 150. I'm on it. Uh, another real, real quick before we go to break. Uh, Kitayama is a guy that I'm eyeing as well. Uh, he is five under and um, he has a 50.6% chance of making it into the top 20. And you could get that at, uh, at plus 120. He is second in strokes gained tee to green and seventh in strokes gains on approach. So that is another guy that I am aiming for. Kitayama to win is 50 to one. Top five is plus 750. Top 10 is three to one. Top 20 is plus 120. So I'm probably going to play him to finish in the top 20 as well as the top 10. So those are two guys that I'm, I'm, I'm eyeing. So there's that. All right. Uh, when we come back, we kick off hour number three, talking some XFL. I'm seven and one, by the way. Yes, I'm tooting my own horn. I'm seven and one the first two weeks of the XFL season. Week three is upon us. First game is on Saturday. Then we've got three games on Sunday. We'll break those down next right here on 710 ESPN.